Hey everybody, this show is brought to you by Nanobella. You've heard about CBD, but you need to know about CBG, which is another cannabinoid. Nanobella actually has a patented nanomulsion technology that breaks the CBG down into tiny molecules. That way, they work faster. Also combined with premium ingredients, it's more bioavailable. So this actually comes, this is called the Sublime Elixir. This is for people like me that did action sports most of their lives and landed on their head. And now, for some reason, my knee hurts also. So I take this to help uh, relieve the inflammation and make it feel a little bit better. This actually comes in a nice little dispenser. It's got a little squeeze thing on the side, two drops under the tongue, and you're good. Now, if you're a lightweight in the marijuana department and you like to eat edibles and then be like, this edible is not shit, and then you eat another edible, and then you're like, oh no, I'm in trouble, guess what? You never thought it would come, but here it is. Here's the product for you. They call it Green Landings, okay? But I call it Narcanabis. So what actually happens is the CBG binds to the THC. So it actually lessens your high or at least like flattens it out. I've been told uh, by Sothi, the owner, that actually people that smoke all day, <clears throat> not me, uh, other people that smoke all day, use this so that they get like a more even high and they are more focused and still high. Your mind's blown. I know. But I think at least if you're one of those people that likes to eat edibles and then get out of hand... This is the product for you. Now, you can actually get a 15% discount by using the code CLINT15. C-L-I-N-T-1-5 at checkout at nanobella.com. You're welcome. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Clint Esposito Show, number 46, Friday, February 17th. All right, everybody, first bit of news is Travis Pastrana qualified for the Daytona 500. So this is a big uh, goal of his, and uh, it's cool that the Daytona Beach News Journal recognizes Travis making it into the Daytona 500 is a big deal. They actually call him an action hero. Should be action sports hero, maybe. Whatever. Still cool. Uh, I tell you what, qualifying for the 500 is literally a dream come true. This is a bigger than... This is bigger than big. Sorry, Pastrana said. So... Yeah, that's sweet. I don't think, uh, obviously, he's not qualified for that before. I don't think he's made any actual NASCAR uh, events. I think he rode some truck series stuff. So, <clears throat> that's awesome. Hopefully, so Travis, I realize, has taken a very long time. Um, but it seems like he's settling down. Not, like, relationship-wise, but just competitive wise Travis has always been a winter crash type of person supercross motocross that was basically the story even when uh, even in rally there was a lot of win or crashing so I think with any of these guys um, they so a person like Travis is super ultra competitive. Everything at Travis's house turns into a competition. So the guy does not like to get a whatever, seventh, fifth. Um, so if he's in seventh, he's like, I need to get to the front, even if it's rally car or whatever. I'll say this, super crosswise, we'll break it down this way. Travis is obviously one of the most talented people on a motorcycle. Could win races. There is footage, I don't remember, St. Louis or something, where Travis ends up battling with RC. 
Now, Travis is going faster than Carmichael is. Uh, he gets a little squirrely. Carmichael kind of gets a hold of him and I think runs into him. But the issue is that Travis was coming off an injury and he should have probably chilled out and let RC go and build a little bit. And, you know, because you have to build up your... You can train and train and train, but it's different when you get into race and into races and then your heart rate elevates and blah, blah, blah. So with all these guys, uh, when people that are super competitive get injured, like Bubba, okay? Bubba didn't want to, James Stewart, for those that don't know. James Stewart didn't want to come out and get whatever after some of the injuries. He There was a lot of pressure. Same thing with him. With Travis, there was a lot of pressure on them in these sports to win. They also put it on themselves, but there's also outside pressure. I would say more of it's from themselves, which is why they are the people that they are. Um, but, yeah, they don't give themselves the time to be like, get a couple of whatever, six, sevenths, eighths, just to f go the whole distance, figure it out till the end. It's a different set of rules a lot of times. If anybody super big motocross fans watch the Ricky Carmichael, James Stewart podcast on Bubba's World. It's more than just going fast, right? There's a lot of strategy going in to win at this level. So for any of these guys to either get hurt or switch sports and then just expect themselves to win immediately, a lot of times that's an unreasonable <laughs> goal so you need to back it down just teeny bit and be like i'm gonna get a couple of okay finishes to just learn how to go the whole distance of the race the mindset the pacing all that type of stuff um to build upon that and become the first guy it's even it's definitely hard for somebody like this or like james that does win in that particular discipline and then they're out for a while and they expect themselves to be there and it's hard. All these guys are the best in the world. Anybody at that level has uh, probably mental coaches. They have, uh, you know, obviously trainers. There's riding coaches. There's a lot that goes into it. So, um, pumped to see, like I said, Travis just won some kind of flat track or dirt track race. Uh, he qualified. So, I mean, I think he's learning that limit of, like, just chill a teeny bit. Just a teeny bit. Um, all right, we are going to go, if it switches, there we go, to Supercross. Um, so, I have a picture of Chase Sexton here. So, I didn't, this is actually not what I wanted to talk about first when I switched over. We're going to go to what I was originally going to talk about. Jason Anderson on probation for Tampa rough riding incident. I'm actually really um, amazed that it took this long for them to even penalize anybody because people have been getting pretty chop-happy uh, recently in Supercross, which I'm fine with. Um, I think, I mean, I'm fine with it. I think you have to get aggressive sometimes. I'm fine with it. Uh, here's the caveat. I'm fine with it given, this is why I do rate that takeout, and I have uh, the categories are necessity. The first category I judge is necessity of the takeout. Time and place, people. Time and place. Last transfer spot into the main. Take the guy out. Uh, main event. You're trying to get on the podium. You're trying. It's for money. You know, that's when I expect the aggressive riding to come out. Later in the main event, so uh, Anderson's deal was first lap. Doesn't seem necessary. Okay, so Jason Anderson has been placed on probation by the American Motorcycle Association for six months. The punishment will run through round nine of the pro motocross season. The penalty comes after Anderson pushed Barsha into the tough blocks on an attempted pass, causing both riders to crash on lap six. Anderson finished sixth while ba Barsha recovered to finish eighth. One week earlier, Anderson acknowledged his part in going 
in ongoing rivalries with other riders. So, I th did they post a tweet? I'm just going to try and get out front and do my thing, Anderson said in a post-race news conference at the 8.30 mark of the video above. After his third place finish in Houston Supercross race, it's on me for getting caught up in a lot of the BS. I get caught up. That's something I have to take responsibility for. I didn't realize he said any of this. I really just want to do my best. Try to grow and avoid that. I'm going to try my best and change that aspect of me. Then one week later, goes and cleans. But okay, people, he didn't hit him necessarily. You can argue. Obviously, we don't know, and you're probably not going to get the straight answer from Barsha or from Anderson. The problem is he hit him, then tweeted at uh, Barsha. Which Supercross made him fell to whoever it is, AMA, made him take the tweet down after posting it on TV. They like to do this a bunch. They're like, two people fight, and they're like, you guys can't fight. That's, we're going to fine you guys, disqualify, whatever. And then they use that clip for news for the next, like, or for, like, highlights for the next year. And I'm like, you can't. You can't uh, penalize these guys for fighting and then glorify it at the same time. Um, so, yeah, the issue is he tweeted at him, basically saying, like, being mad, I'm going to take you out. Then takes him out. And some people are like, oh, I don't think it was intentional to take him out. And other people went in there like that, too. Um... Yeah, and uh, at least one other one ended in a crash, maybe two. So, I mean, all in the same corner. I get it's the way the corner is, but you're if you're hacking across those ruts at the angles that they were going across them, you're definitely trying to take a front end out. Or at least be in the where you're trying to go. Like the Moseman thing, they didn't really touch. If they did, it was just a teeny bit. But it was like, if you're... On the berm, you have to lean in and turn in. If you're not able to turn in, guess what? You're going to low side. So, I mean, uh, do I agree with this? Um, kind of. It also bums me out, though, because, like, it's fun to watch them hit each other. I don't, I'm not mad at it. It's more frustrating on that. It's like, because now, uh, is Barsha just going to hack him off or what? You're like, oh, I didn't, you know, I don't know. All right, so let's go back to the Sexton picture. I have this here because I, I've heard different things too, like uh, Sexton shouldn't, hold, shouldn't be uh, upset by this. And uh, I would disagree because I understand he's pretty young, but the issue is that he's the fastest guy. He's clearly the fastest guy. He is not the most mentally tough guy. And that's all these win these losses, like when he's been out front, I've heard people say seven times. He's won twice and he's thrown away seven being out in front and making mistakes by himself. That's the, the, what, I don't remember what race it was just recently where, um, he was fastest, qualified fastest, smoked Eli in the heat race. Then in the main event, they come out and Eli just has his number. And it's like, I think if he can't just break away from those guys and leave them, then he has an issue. But, um, which I think is the problem, right? He gets out front. Now he's just got them in his head behind him. They're coming, they're coming, they're coming. If they don't, if he can't break away from them, it's like, oh, if I make a mistake and that's what's happening. But I think that he's not, he needs to play, like we were talking about the games, head games. 
he needs to play these races different because I think, and I could be wrong, we could look at laps, I mean, other than being weaker, like what I'm trying to get at, a lot of BS. He's faster in the morning. He's faster all day. When the track is prepped, I think that when you get uh, deep into the mains, those other guys are just better. And at maybe reading the track, at riding the rough track, it's either, it's probably more so reading the track and changing lines and doing stuff like that. Um, because even Tomac, right, never qualifies good, because just, it doesn't even make any sense, because he drops lap times that are comparable to qualifying when the track is screwed up, so, like, I don't know, uh, maybe these guys adapt to it earlier, like, Chase, good qualifiers, adapt to the track early, like, very fast, learn it, get fast on it, and then, aren't that good at moving around later on when it starts to deteriorate. I was always, and we didn't do lap times all the time, but I was always better at the end of the days when the track was rougher. And, and I don't think I was doing better lap times. I think I probably stayed similar. And a lot of people maybe got slower because it got rough. I don't know. Or I was in good shape at the time. But I think some people are able to read tracks and adapt much better than the other people and I think that I think that's just Chase's issue they're better when the tracks are chewed up and I think maybe he needs to not get the whole shot and um, get out front by himself and just get like a third place start if I think if he could get a third place start right and then just stick on a Cooper Webb's ass the whole time or uh, Tomac's ass the whole time. And then, e even if he just did that, right? Stayed on his ass the whole time right till the end of the race. Learns their pace. Now, the next time, maybe, he's able to pass them at the end. But I think, and I hated it too, if I ever got the whole shot, which I almost never did. But if I got the whole shot, it was like, oh no, someone's coming. And... Uh, I kind of eventually learned to just, like, if they were that much faster, just let them go and be like, okay, well, this is what we're doing now. Chase is the fastest guy in practice and in qualifying. That's the issue. He's like, I should be beating these guys, and he should. Uh, there's a bunch of races he's whole shot and got gone and then just fallen on his own when there's nobody even close enough to pressure him. So I don't even know. I don't have a good answer for you on this, but... The problem is he's getting used to that, and I think the more times you do that, the more times you're in that situation, and you have the same thing happen, like that now is looming inside your head larger and larger and larger, and it's just like, ah, I'm going to mess up, and then you focus on that stuff, and it becomes worse. You know, you have to kind of get into, that's what the flow is, right? The flow is when you just get going and you're just not even thinking and things are just happening and that's where you need to be. And when you're out front by yourself a lot of times and you hear somebody the whole race, it's very hard to get yourself into that position. All you hear is footsteps. I realize that's like a soccer or football reference, but whatever. All right, next Next one, whenever it switches. There we go. Oakland track map. Let me find the Oakland trap track map over here. Here we go. Ah. There we go. We're back to the Oakland track map. Okay. Obviously, another baseball stadium. Oakland A's. I think. Um, so... I don't know. I don't realize how big the footprint is versus the football stadiums. Because I had heard Ricky say something that he likes the football stadiums better because they're a little bigger. I would have thought some of this, like the way it's kind of not as long. I think it gets weird when they get long. But anyway. Um, holy shite. 
This, okay, you got the Ten Commandments style section right here. This is the first thing I'm going to talk about. And I just say Ten Commandments. Um, Loretta Lynn's has a section of ten jumps, or maybe there's five jumps. Five jumps, ten individual humps. I don't know. Maybe ten jumps. It was long, and it turns. Okay, that's all I'm saying. So this is a long turning, so here you go. Start straight, not that long. Uh, Left-hander, not quite 90. Little rhythm section, 180. And now you have the rhythm of doom, dude. The rhythm of doom. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen peaks. Bubba would jump the hole. He would just go all the way over top of the finish line like that and then come back. Uh, no, that is interesting. Three, three, three. That's already three threes. I don't think you're going to three through the corner. Let's say that you can't. Three, four. There's at least, you would have to triple like six times to get through this section, even if you tripled all the way through. So that's very interesting. They look like they're varying heights. All right, and then you just got a double. Nice whoop section. Dragon back. Sorry, dragons were offended. They're now dino backs because dinosaurs are extinct, so there's none to complain about. Another long whoop section, a longer whoop section. Another long rhythm lane. Holy smokes. Uh, 180, finish line, more rhythm, cross start. Then you got these random little humpy thing here and then down 180. Yeah. So, I don't know. Going to be interesting. I wonder if you can pass down here in this rhythm corner deal. I think this is going to be very interesting. I'm excited about it. To tell you the truth. Very excited. All right. That's it about the track map. You've had Justin Brayton and everybody else give you their opinions. What the hell am I telling you? Right? Right. All right. Let's get to some regular news. We're going to go jump from Supercross to the train derailment. That's right. Excellent stuff we got going on. So how many train derailment things do I have open? We have more than one. Hold on. There we go. Okay, what we know about the train derailment in Ohio. First, I want to say this. Look at this cloud. And it's hazardous chemicals. Yet, they're worried about cow farts. Just wanted to point that out. Uh, the big picture. As emergency crews continue to clean up the site of Norfolk Southern train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, lawmakers have drawn attention to the government's oversight of the freight train system. Meanwhile, the Biden administration has promised to hold the trail operator accountable for the wreck and its aftermath. Did you get what that first uh, whole sentence basically says? Um, Norfolk Southern says, oh, and Ohio lawmakers draw attention to the government's oversight. So Ohio is like, yo, the government hasn't been taking care of the rail system or the infrastructure. Meanwhile, the Biden administration has promised to hold the rail operator accountable. So, uh, they're both just pointing the finger so far. So, this is going to be good. The trail derail train derailed on February 3rd was carrying hazardous materials, 
including at least five tankers of vinyl chloride, a colorless but hazardous and carcinogenic gas used to produce PVC plastic and vinyl products. Okay. I'm pretty sure there was the thing had a bunch of chemicals on it. We're just focused, hyper-focused on the couple of cars that have like super bad stuff in it. But the other ones have really bad stuff in it. So it's like still not... Ohio Governor Mike DeWine, Republican, said on February 16th, he requested additional federal assistance after a phone call with President Biden. DeWine alleged the Federal Emergency Agency uh, Management Agency, FEMA, had advised that the state is not eligible for disaster assistance from the agency. But he said he would continue working with FEMA to determine what assistance can be provided. What? So, um, Ohio never applied for FEMA help? Like, what the hell happened here? Meanwhile, Norfolk Southern said on February 15th it pulled out of a town hall with local, state, and federal officials due to concern over the growing physical threat to its employees and members of the community, but it did not elaborate on what the threat entailed. People at the town hall, which uh, occurred while representatives from the railway company saw answers for a potential of long-term exposure to chemicals. People at the town hall, which occurred without representation, without representatives from the railway company, there you go, saw um, answers for the potential of long-term exposure to chemicals released during and after the this show is brought to you by Hero Soap Company. Do you like America and being clean? Hero Soap Company is the soap for you. It was established in 2018 by military veterans. They give a portion of the profits to charities that help homeless veterans, military, and first responders. The soaps are made from natural ingredients and free from harsh chemicals. They are infused with essential oils and or premium grade fragrances. They come in a resealable weather resistant package, like a little Ziploc bag. That way if you're camping, if you're deployed, whatever, you can stick the soap right back in the bag. The soap is made in small batches in the USA. You could say it's artisan. Maybe it's artisan. I don't know. I think that just means someone did it by hand. It could be artisan. Uh, for each new subscription, if you subscribe to get um, soap sent to you monthly, then a bar will be donated to troops deployed overseas. And now you can actually get a small discount by using the code CLINT, C-L-I-N-T, at checkout. And yes, I will get a little cut of it. I believe it's 15%. So go there and use the code, get some money off, and support uh, America and veterans. Okay, guys, enjoy the derailment and what health dangers residents may face, which seems reasonable. Um, catch up quick. Norfolk Southern officials said some of the cars carrying the vinyl chloride were not breached during the crash, but were at risk of exploding. So, crews released and burned their contents on February 6th, creating a massive smoke plume above the town for several hours. Hundreds of people were evacuated. All right. What risks? Acute exposure to high levels of vinyl chloride. Again, the only one that they're addressing. In the air has been linked to central nervous system effects, while chronic exposure has been shown to cause liver damage, including a rare form of liver cancer, according to the EPA. 
when vinyl chloride burns, it decomposes into hydrogen chloride. And phosgene, according to the International Program on Chemical Safety. Phosgene is highly poisonous and was used externally, extensively during World War I as a choking agent. While hydrogen chloride is irritating and corrosive to any tissue it in, with which it comes in contact. Hey. So, yeah, I like this one. Trust the government, says head of EPA during visit to Ohio's train derailment site. Holy shit. When does this guy go on for his comedy set? When is it? Because his opener is good. It's good. So far, it's trust your government. And the government says we're going to hold these people are reliable, responsible, and the people said that the government hasn't fixed the tracks. So, what do we think about that? Alright, massive release of toxins at Ohio train derailment site following controlled release. Now, we um, just scooted over it, but I'm going to somewhere... Thousands of pounds of vinyl chloride, a highly toxic, deadly, and known carcinogen were dumped on the ground and set on fire from five tankers that had derailed as part of the 50 cars that went off the track on Friday. While officials, officials evacuated people living within one and two mile radius of the wreckage, people on social media were reported being able to smell the chemicals 10-15 miles from the site of the crash. Dead fish are being cleared from the banks of streams miles downstream from the accident. One woman posted a video of her chickens dying in northern Lima, Ohio, about 10 miles from the accident. Amanda Bashirs told the local news stations, WKBN, it's a great news station, that her eyes watered when she went outside and that her chickens were fine the day before. Many people took photos and videos of the explosion and posted them on social media along with comments about the smell in the air. Jim Kosier, I think, posted several videos showing the smoke from the explosions covering the area where he lives, called upon his neighbors to gather soil and water samples to be used as evidence. Um... Okay, so this is what I was looking for. So here, we'll play some of this guy. These aren't... He's not happy. These aren't... These aren't storm clouds. This is the fucking shit that they burn off. The fucking shit they burn off in East Palestine. This is not fucking storm clouds. Look at it. This is over Darlington. So again, cow farts. I'm just going to keep bringing that up for you. All right, now this guy. Meaning that when these trains crashed and these started, oh. this hasn't been getting a lot of coverage, and the coverage that it has been getting hasn't been very good. So let's talk about the trail derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. East Palestine's about an hour north of Pittsburgh, almost halfway to Norfolk Southern has a rail line that goes right through town, and this derailment happened right on the edge outside of town on the border of PA and Ohio. Of the cars that crashed, five of them contained vinyl chloride. It's a monomer used to make PVC. Um, again, five of the 50... Reporting on cars. this has gotten vinyl chloride confused with polyvinyl chloride, the polymer made out of vinyl chloride. Okay, I also want to bring this up. So he's like, oh, people are confused between it being vinyl chloride or polyvinyl chloride. Vinyl chloride is toxic for you, okay? But once they turn it into plastic, you can drink out of it, you can store your food in it, you can microwave your food in it, and it's totally fine. 
Does that sound stupid now that I say it that way? It sounds stupid. Now, the reason that this distinction is really important is vinyl chloride is very hazardous and very flammable. Polyvinyl chloride is a plastic that's used in, like, everything. Seems totally fine. Another thing about vinyl chloride is that it boils at 8 degrees Fahrenheit, so it's shipped in its liquid form. Meaning that when these trains crashed and these started leaking, they weren't just leaking liquid, but they were spewing boiling gas. So vinyl chloride is really toxic. OSHA has the permissible limit of how much you can be exposed to it during an eight-hour shift as a one ppm part per million, average over eight hours. So prior to this, the biggest spill of this chemical... He should have explained. One parts per million, so that's like one part... One... One cell? One molecule? Of... Whatever it is to a billion, I don't know, over eight hours. How many particles do we breathe in? We need, uh, what's his name? The science guy, the nerdy guy to explain it. Tyson. Chemical was in New Jersey where one train car and about 23,000 gallons of vinyl chloride were spilled, but it didn't catch on fire. Now, this crash in Ohio has five train cars. These kinds of tanker cars can carry between 25 and 33,000 gallons. Let's call it 250 to 250,000 pounds of vinyl chloride. That's per train car, five train cars. There's maybe a million pounds of this toxic chemical spilling into the ground and also boiling off into the air. But then it caught on fire. I think this is where the reporting is really bad because no one is mentioning what the byproduct of vinyl chloride burning is. Of the many byproducts of burning vinyl chloride, one of them is hydrogen chloride. Hydrogen chloride is really unstable and latches onto water, like just water vapor in the atmosphere, and that turns into hydrochloric acid. So right now, government officials, officials from the railroad, both the governor of Pennsylvania and... Okay. So what he said was when it spilled in New Jersey, there wasn't as much and it didn't catch on fire to make this other, uh, whatever, acidic shit. Uh, so what the, one of the cars, one of the tankers caught on fire or a couple of caught on fire just on their own, but the other ones didn't. So the bright idea was to dump it out and burn it. <laughs> like, does this not whole thing, does this whole thing not seem crazy, right? They're tanking super dangerous chemicals around. And this is again, only one that we're addressing. This is the only one we're addressing. I bet there's other chemicals in there that are not good. Like, you know, because say there was five tankers, trailers full of uh, Roundup. How do you think that would affect the environment around there? But we can't say that because... Um, Merck or whatever it is pays too much sponsorship money. I don't know. This is very disheartening for everybody in the area, for America in general, but especially everybody that lives right there, you know, that now their land's not worth shit. They're... And they'll just do another uh, trail of tears and just push those people out of their homes. And then they'll just go and have, uh, you know bumps on their head somewhere else. And Ohio are calling burning off the million pounds of this stuff a success, but not mentioning that it means that we have hundreds of thousands of pounds of acid in the air, potentially. Now, ever since engineering school, I've studied a lot of industrial accidents. I just find it really fascinating. And organizations like the Chemical Safety Board, NTSB, and OSHA all have like really good reports available to the public. I think as a designer, it's really good to learn about mistakes. When looking at these kinds of industrial disasters across time, there are a couple things that are pretty universal across all of them. 
One, the responsible party in this case, Norfolk Southern Railway, always plays down the reality of the situation. Politicians also just repeat the same lines, and then news outlets just repeat the same. So all we are hearing is the responsible party's word. Listen, no Asian hate. You have to believe what that guy just said. So, sorry. Uh, dude, here, somebody post this. Unless someone can provide me pictures showing otherwise, it looks like Norfolk Southern has its track employees in East Palestine working without respirators. Some of those may be old co-workers, and that's sad. Screenshot from this from a news story earlier. Um, you know, like... I'm so against most of the friggin' most of the stuff that our government comes up with for us. All right, let's go on to our last our last little topic here. And that is Damar Hamlin. Um, now he is the Buffalo Bills football player that collapsed. If any of you guys are on Twitter and follow conspiracy theory people like I do, um, everybody's been like, he's dead, he's not even alive, they made a clone. His first tweet after, uh, and you can look this up, his first tweet after the incident, he literally posted a picture with a mask on and then it says clone. Hashtag clone. And that's all it says. What? Then they showed him at that football game, right? Where he's in the box by himself. And he's got a mask on. But he doesn't go down to the locker room. Okay, and then they... Uh, which, so I'm not, I don't know, I'm not putting too much. The, the clone thing really has me. The him being in the press box thing is, seems weird as well, but, like, I don't know, there's not very much you can ex extrapolate from that. But now he goes on um, Good Morning America, okay, to talk about his remarkable recovery. And uh, Michael Strahan asks him, and I've been looking for this because, you know, there was something earlier about uh, the World Economic Forum where they had a clip of, like, Klaus Schwab or something saying that they wanted to reduce the population, or the whatever, the CEO of Pfizer, reduce the population by 50. But when I went and I watched the actual video, that's not what it said. They said they wanted to reduce the amount of people in the world that couldn't afford their life-saving drugs to 50%. Much different than what it was cut up to look like online. And I don't agree with the World Economic Forum, but I also don't think that cutting shit uh, untruthfully is helping your side either. So... Um, that being said, he goes on Good Morning America, talks to Michael Strahan. Michael Strahan asks him the question that everybody's been asking. Okay, what caused it? What did your doctor say? You're 24, peak physical condition, can run circles around me right now. <laughs> <laughs> How did doctor describe what happened to you? Um... Um, I tell them I want to stay away from I know from my experience at the NFL, they do more tests. Anyone. Anyone. You have a chance right now. ...than anything. And in the course of you 
having your physical. Did anybody ever come back with any, say you had a heart issue or anything that was abnormal? Uh, honestly, no. Um, I've always been a, a, a health. Um, I'm at a loss for words. Sorry about being silent here, but I'm just like, <clears throat> I don't understand. Um, like he had to have been paid off to not say anything. I know some, some alternate truth believers that are like, it's going to be, they're like, they're, they're trying to backpedal to be able to come out and say that that's what it was. And this, so this is like kind of, it's implied without saying it. And, you know, again, I don't know how much of this stuff is actually orchestrated, uh, I think that a lot of times they're just like, make lemonade out of lemons, you know, because I don't think you could predict a lot of this shit. Like, they knew he was going to collapse. It's a stupid thing to say. But do I think they're backpedaling a little bit? Yeah, I mean, you would have to, no? How long can you be like climate change and eggs? Eggs all of a sudden. There's probably less people eating eggs now than ever, and I bet you... All these people that are having issues are not huge egg eaters. All the people, most of the people having issues. I'm just going to go out a limb here and generalize. I know that you, this is cardinal sin here, but I would venture to guess that if you stayed up to date with all your boosters, you probably also don't eat eggs in the morning because chicken farts. You know, and burps. That would be my guess. I could be wrong. I guarantee you don't eat four eggs a day like I do. Weird thing is I haven't gotten any blood clots. That's a weird thing because I've been eating four eggs a day for the past probably like eight years. Is there something, I mean this, so is there something with the eggs? Is it bullshit or is there something with the eggs? Because I also see um, things come up that say that eggs uh, prevent, like, COVID from binding in your body or something like that. Or it works like a, let's look it up. Eggs and COVID. Let's see if, I am on Brave, prescribed for COVID-19 Patients. Here is why eggs are. This is from 2020. This is here is why eggs are so good for your immunity. This is from 2020. Ay, ay, ay. Not only are they considered to be one of the healthiest diet options for Weight Watchers. But they also act as excellent aids for the immune system. There is a reason why kids are encouraged to eat eggs from the start. From a healthy body, strong nail, hair, and bones, there are so many benefits to eating eggs on a regular basis. Never to forget, they pack so in so much protein. It would surprise you to know that in a lot of coronavirus quarantine facilities around the world, patients in recovery are offered eggs with their dairy meals. In a welcome move, authorities are also providing a lot of health care work. Why aren't we telling about the, what makes them so healthy? Even though there is a broad misconception that eating eggs on a daily basis is not good for your cholesterol, consuming eggs regularly is an antidote for your immune system. I don't think that, I don't think that should have been used that way. Antidote for your immune system, like we're trying to get rid of our immune system. There's a reason why people who are sick or recovering are asked to eat eggs. From the shell to the core, they are loaded with plenty of nutrients, which are good for a healthy, there you go, helps relieve cold and flu. Eggs are... Also, a trusted remedy for fighting off a nasty cold or flu infection and has been used in families for hundreds of years now. When you're under the weather, the body needs protective and help from nutrients to recover faster. Eggs come loaded with zinc. See, this is not, um, 
where I, there's another, there's something I saw recently where it's like uh, a study says that they, it looks like the same thing. COVID-19 in your eggs. Let's see what this one. Here you go. There's a Swatch Hindi uh, proving this false. Uh, Alright, it's too much to fucking read through. Since the beginning of the pandemic, news feeds, inboxes, texts have been filled with messages from companies. Anyway, there was some actual stu study where it showed that it actually prevented um, eggs on a roller coaster due to COVID. No. There was actually a study that showed that it stopped it from binding. Um, so it kind of worked as like, uh, I don't know. Supposedly where I can't, I, allegedly, I can't obviously say anything. But isn't it weird that the most nutrient-dense things, meat, they just keep putting the thing out that meat is bad for your cholesterol, it's going to make you fat, and it's so expensive. If meat is so terrible for you, why is it so expensive? Please, somebody tell me that. Eggs. Uh... You have one side of the token that says that eggs are the most nutritious thing for you. I mean, there's everything to develop a brain. There's choline. The fact that they said that choline was causing the blood clots is... But isn't it hilarious, right? They're like, choline in eggs causes blood clots. And then there's another side that's going, no, we've proven that uh, this whatever in eggs actually helps you fight off sickness. Then they go, uh, eggs are really expensive. You should be eating these fake eggs. And it just, anytime they want to vilify something, I would say, look at that is probably really good for something. That's probably actually a really good thing. And that's why they're mad at it. The people that are doing this, right, they want you to eat fake ass eggs. Because them having a laboratory making these eggs out of seed oils is much better for you than a chicken in a field eating bugs and then producing eggs from a living thing. My head hurts trying to figure what is going on with all this stuff. Okay, I, I just can't even, I don't have any more answers. I didn't have any answers this whole time, but I'm kind of fried trying to figure out what is going on. All right, people, if you made it this long, I truly appreciate it. You guys are the best. And um, please like the channel if you have not. And uh, if you like this episode, share it with some friends. And that's it, everybody. Later. Later.